Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. No Canty, no Carlin. I'm Katie George. She's Amber Wilson filling in for the guys on this beautiful Friday afternoon. Tune in to an NL battle tomorrow night as the Giants host the Brewers presented by Progressive Insurance. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. As you just heard in our Sports Center update, the Houston Texans have reached settlements with 30 women who were prepared to make claims against the NFL organization for its alleged role regarding sexual misconduct allegations against Cleveland Browns' then-quarterback Deshaun Watson. In massage sessions, uh, Tony Busby, the attorney for the women, made in a statement on Friday. The McNair family, Texans owners, then issued a statement as well. They said, we were shocked and deeply saddened when we first learned of the allegations against our then-franchise quarterback in March of 2021. Although our, our organization did not have any knowledge of Deshaun Watson's alleged misconduct, we have intentionally chosen to resolve this matter amicably. This is not an admission of any wrongdoing, but instead a clear stand against any form of sexual assault and misconduct. It's not every day that you get to sit alongside a lawyer on ESPN Radio. Amber, let's put that law degree to good use. Why do you think it was important for the Texans to make the to settle all 30 cases? Well, it was important because they clearly want to get this behind them. And let's not pretend like the timing of this. We're up against training camp. We're a week away from it, roughly, for the Houston Texans. They clearly wanted to get this put behind them, not just the one pending civil action that they had against them, but any potential pending civil action that could arise as it pertains to Deshaun Watson. So. The, Desha- the Texans basically just said, hey, we, we want to wash our hands of this mess and let's do what we can to get rid of it, move on with our lives. We've moved on from Deshaun Watson. Let's move on from essentially the fallout from our time with Deshaun Watson. And that's what you got here. I mean, the PR statement that this is, you know, them taking a stand against sexual misconduct, whatever. I, that's mm-hmm. that's PR fluff. They they're going to say that they have to say that it it's really just them trying to get rid of any potential claims that might arise from when Deshaun Watson was the quarterback of the Houston Texans. Do you think that there was legitimate concern that if they hadn't settled and gotten this done, that they actually could have ended up in a courtroom where this is playing out for, for a long period of time to come? 
Well, that's why people settle, right? And people always get this confused because in civil court cases settle. It's how it works, Katie, even potential civil claims like you're seeing here with the Texans. And the reason for that isn't necessarily, I mean, like the Texans said, not necessarily admission of anything. And I mean, there's a lot of truth to that because it doesn't really have a bearing on what happened or even the viability of the cases or even how strong the Texans necessarily thought the cases were or could be that could arise against them. What sometimes it comes down to is a bit of a calculation, right? Do we want to fight this and defend ourselves for potentially years on end? Because in civil court, the way things go with these processes, I mean, you're talking two to three years probably for litigation. If you're talking potentially 30 litigants, you're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars in attorney's fees and court costs alone. So if you're the Texans, you're looking at this situation, even if you think that you're going to win on some of those claims eventually, it's probably not worth the millions and millions and millions of dollars to get there along the way. We know the Texans, obviously, all these NFL teams, right, made of money, the owners made of money, you're talking billionaires. So for them, it became easier to wash their hands of it now, reach the settlement now, and any potential claims that could arise and again, just move forward with the current roster of the Houston Texans. And it's important, I think, to to mention Deshaun Watson in June settled 20 of 24 lawsuits accusing him of sexual misconduct when he played for the Texans. He's also been accused by 25 women in civil lawsuits, as you mentioned, of actions ranging from sexual assault to inappropriate behavior during massage sessions. Now, what the Texans did here in settling those cases has no bearing on what NFL disciplinary officer Sue L. Robinson is trying to deduce and conclude from her findings. And we're still waiting on her ruling or suspension that's going to come down on Deshaun Watson. We've, we've heard, you know, sources and reports say as many as, you know, the entire season, as few as, you know, four weeks. So where do we think that um, she's going to fall? It, it's going to be interesting to see. We still think that she's got maybe a week or two left in, in, in doing her due diligence. Credit to her. But It is also true, Amber, and correct me if I'm wrong, that once she makes her decision, Deshaun Watson actually has a chance to appeal that if he doesn't agree, and he can appeal that, and then that goes to Roger Goodell. Is that correct? Well, this is assuming that Sue Robinson finds that he did violate the personal conduct policy of the Which NFL, think- right? If, if she finds that he did not, then there's nothing to appeal. And the no. NFL can't appeal it either Either way. It, assuming she does find that, it's I'm assuming she's going right? to find It would something. be in, pretty inconceivable uh, that she wouldn't uh, find some sort of violation here. Then, yes, it would be likely that he would appeal whatever the suspension was. And then it can either go to Roger Goodell or the league can say, hey, we're going to name another independent arbitrator to handle the appeal. The optics of it look a lot better if they name another independent arbitrator to handle the an, an appeal. So another Sue Robinson type former federal judge, you know, an agreed upon arbitrator between the NFL and the NFLPA. And so that's the more likely route in my opinion. Uh, but all of this comes down to what the suspension is. If Deshaun Watson takes issue with the suspension, it seems reasonable that there will be a suspension. It also seems reasonable, frankly, that there will be an appeal. The NFLPA would have a vested interest in appealing any suspension also, because don't forget in terms of what they represent, they don't just represent 
represent Deshaun Watson. They're representing the interest of the entire players union. You said there that these settlements with the Texans have no bearing on Sue Robinson's decision-making. And that's absolutely correct. The only thing I'll say that's interesting to me about this story from that regard is that there's 30 women and 30 wasn't the number that we had heard before. Now we had heard from Tony Busby who represents Deshaun Watson, that there could potentially be more litigants beyond the 25 that at one point had filed civil actions against Deshaun Watson, but we didn't really know how many more. And now we kind of have an idea, Katie, because if the Texans settled with 30, then it seems like there was 30 women who would potentially have an action against the Texans. And if they potentially had a claim against the Texans, you would imagine, then there's 30 women who potentially have a claim against Deshaun Watson. Although right now there's only four pending civil actions that remain against Deshaun Watson. And you mentioned that he had settled 20. Quite honestly, I can't keep track of the numbers at this point with how many there are. There's also the number being thrown around that 66 uh, masseuses were used in a period of 17 months. And that was reported by the New York Times. Uh, Where there's smoke, there's usually fire. But we will be interested to see what Uh, is ruled by Sue L. Robinson, and then if there is an appeal process based on what she's able to find. We're still waiting for that, maybe the next week or so. Um, I would not. This is total conjecture on my part, but this news breaks uh, uh, with the Houston Texans on a Friday news dump. (laughs) We know how it works in our business. I have been saying for weeks behind the scenes to people quietly that I would not at all be surprised if we got like a next Friday news dump uh, with some news there uh, right before training camp starts for the Cleveland Browns. We will see. Yeah, PR, PR teams are, are cunning. We've got a quick call from Don in Dallas who's got a question for Amber. Don, what's up? How are you? I'm good. Thanks for the call. Hey, um, quick thing. Uh, uh, I heard Amber on the last uh, show as a guest. Uh, she was saying it has no bearing on Deshaun Watson. So can we not stop the narrative of breaking news of Deshaun Watson, which is the breaking news of Houston Texans? But um, the question is, since Houston Texans uh, requested that he not play last year at all, could it be possible if they did give him a one-year suspension that she could commute that and just give him a fine? Well, it actually appears that it was Deshaun Watson who chose not to play last season. But, uh, no, it doesn't seem like that that is going to be part of her analysis, although who knows? We have nothing to compare it to, Don. I mean, that's the problem is when we're all kind of navigating what Sue Robinson might do, we're trying to go back to her federal judge record ship. I mean, there's no way because she hasn't been an arbitrator in this position for the NFL and the NFLPA and Deshaun Watson's legal team before. So we just haven't seen her in these disciplinary actions. We don't really know. It's why we don't know how long she's going to take. It's why we have no idea about her timeline. Once we see her do all this and issue some sort of decision, then we'll have a much better idea about what she'll consider, what kind of suspension might come down for these sorts of things. But it's unprecedented. I mean, we've never had a player accused by this many women of these sorts of things and so not only is it that we have an arbitrator who's never dealt with disciplinary actions before that we have no record of but we also obviously have nothing to compare it to in terms of the amount of allegations specifically against Deshaun Watson it seems unlikely that because again he was paid for every dollar for not playing last season and it seemed like uh, they were on the same page there with the Texans and Deshaun Watson it seems unlikely that would serve as any sort of suspension and it certainly wouldn't hit what didn't hit him financially at all No, it didn't. But what we do know about Robinson is she is very detailed, 
very thorough and committed to finding a fair decision. So we will wait for that and, of course, bring it to you as soon as we get it. All right, coming up, we measure the Power 5 schools conferences value and where Alabama ranks. It actually might surprise you because it's not one, it's not two, and it's not even three. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back on Canty and Carlin, Katie George alongside Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. The Big 12 has officially wrapped up its 2022 Media Days in Arlington, Texas. SEC Media Days is set to take place over four days in Atlanta starting next Monday. The Big 10 and ACC meet up in Indianapolis and Charlotte, respectively. And what's left, Amber, of the Pac-12 will round out the Power 5 Media Days. Uh, Media Days have a little bit more juice this time around, uh, given the news that USC and UCLA are going to join the Big Ten Conference starting in 2024. So conference alignment or realignment, that that is, uh, will be at the forefront and was at the forefront at Big 12 Media Days and will be at the forefront of conversations moving forward this next week. What's the next domino to fall? Who's looking to poach who? Who's interested in trying to join the Big Ten or the SEC? All questions that people want answers to. And Sports Illustrated completed a really interesting exercise where they rated Power 5 football programs based on desirability. We obviously expect, you know, these dominoes to fall in regards to the conference realignment. So so who's next? Well, Sports Illustrated looked at a few different categories when evaluating which programs are the most desirable brands in college football. They took in consideration football rank, so purely performance, academics of your institution, all sports, meaning how your non-revenue, your Olympic sports do in their given uh, realms, attendance, viewership in terms of how many viewers are tuning into your game, how many viewers, more than a million, uh, are are you receiving each season. And then they came up with a a total and an aggregate, and then they ranked everybody. um, It's 69 teams is the compilation of this uh, desirability ratings. And number one, is Ohio State, followed by Michigan, followed by independent Notre Dame, your first soon-to-be SEC school, not Alabama, Texas. Fifth is Georgia, sixth is Florida. Wisconsin comes in at seventh. Oklahoma's eighth. USC, soon-to-be a new Big Ten school, comes in at ninth. And Alabama comes in at tenth. There are some surprising findings in terms of when you look at these categories and how that comes out, one through ten. Yeah, there are. I mean, now I wasn't surprised necessarily by the top few, frankly. I wasn't surprised at Ohio State, a school of that size. We know the following there. We know the success that that program's had of late. I wasn't surprised that they'd be atop this list. Michigan up there, we know the following that school has. Notre Dame being third. Uh, academics have a play and in this as well, certainly have a component to this as well. But there's a reason that Notre Dame's been able to stay independent all these years because they do 
do have pull and they do have following. And I would have expected Texas to be in the top five of this list. I was surprised as a Florida fan, as a Gator, that Georgia was just (laughs) above us, uh, uh, frankly. But I knew that we'd be really high on this list as well. It got more interesting to me after that, Katie. uh, Texas A&M is 12th on this list. I actually thought they were going to definitely be in the top 10. I guess I think of Texas A&M as a school with like a huge, huge, rabid fan base and following uh USC being ninth I think some people think that they maybe would have expected them to be a bit higher I'm not surprised that they're ninth on this list and then Alabama obviously we think of Alabama when we think of college football but like you said there's more to this list than just pure success in college football academically Bama not the strongest school on this list uh, might have something to do with that 10th spot and then also the other sports that you mentioned seem Mm -hmm. to have made Bama slip down this list despite their number one ranking in the actual football rank category. Yeah, so when you look at it out of 69 teams, Alabama is tied at 55 uh, in terms of academics. Compared to Texas, a big brand like you mentioned, 12th in football rank, they are number one across all sports for the championships that they bring in from the NCAA. I was trying to be nice to Bama and not call out their academic ranking, but I love that you just did. No, that's okay because you have to (laughs) scroll pretty far down to find my alma mater of Louisville on this list, and I think they rank 65th. In academics, so when you're when you're uh, on the outside looking in, hoping that your conference stays afloat, uh, well, would you, be... you did you did okay with your Louisville academics. Uh, I here. did, thank you. You and Harry Douglas, you guys, uh, the resident ESPN Radio Louisville. It, <laughs> it's funny. I uh, received the ACC Scholar Athlete of the Year award when I was a senior, and I remember people being like, "Oh my gosh, like." you're in a conference with Duke and Carolina and Wake and Notre Dame for volleyball. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but um, I appreciate that very much. But just, just so you know, the A's the A's come a little bit easier at uh, the University of Louisville <laughs> than some of these other institutions in this conference. Uh, but, but the whole point of this rating system, right, is, is to see who moves the needle, who adds value. Because right, right now when conferences are looking to expand, You don't want, as, say, a Michigan or an Ohio State to bring somebody else into the Big Ten fold because that's now another piece of the pie that has to be given to that new entity, right? So they really have to add value and make more money for everybody if you're going to split up that pie a couple more ways. Well, I think you want it if there's a huge boost to your television contracts ultimately, right? Absolutely. Which really this all has to do with, but you have to make sure you get that boost. USC and UCLA, they do that. It's a no-brainer to bring in USC and UCLA from the LA market, what they can do for you from an all-sports standpoint. Where's UCLA on this list? UCLA, I think, is fourth academically. Uh, USC was ninth. UCLA is 18th. 18th overall. Overall rank. So still the top 20. It it makes sense if you're the Big Ten, certainly, to bring those two into the fold. Well, now you've got the SEC and the Big Ten sitting at 16 teams once their additions ultimately come in in 2024 and then 2025. So if you are going to expand and add more, which will be so fascinating to see Greg Sankey's remarks uh, when he opens up SEC Media Days down in Atlanta on Monday morning, just ahead of Brian Kelly of LSU. That'll be weird seeing Brian Kelly at SEC Media Days. Anywho... It'll be interesting to see what he has to say about expansion because if you're looking at this list in terms of value and who brings more to the table than not, does a Clemson make sense for the SEC? Certainly. What about a North Carolina? 
What about a Virginia? Does North Carolina and Virginia's academic prowess, is that more aligned with the Big Ten than it is with the SEC? Florida State is certainly a school that is a big brand. They're ranked 19th on this list, uh, followed by Michigan State. Um, Miami, surprisingly, was down at 25th. I, I was surprised that they were as low. When you think Miami and you school. think football. People don't realize how small Miami is. It's a really small school. And, and that, I think, is, is the point of this conversation because you just think football brand, right? Oh, well, Miami is one of the biggest football brands in the country. So is Florida State. Even though neither team has actually been good on the football field as of late, they're such big brands, you think it would move the needle. But there's so many more factors at play when considering partnership and bringing somebody into the fold. And so I, I like what Sports Illustrated was able to do in terms of desirability and value. Uh, because I, I certainly think that we are going to see more movement. You just saw Brett Yarmark at um, Big 12 Media Days, who is fresh on the job. By the way, new commissioner, supposed to start August 1. He's uh, baptism by fire, thanks to USC and UCLA. He started a month earlier. So he was at Big 12 Media Days and fielding all different kinds of questions. He said, we're open for business. We will expand if it makes sense, but also we feel like we're in a good place adding four new teams, being BYU, UCF, Houston, and then Cincinnati. We don't feel like we have to do something, a knee-jerk reaction. We don't want to rush things. We want to make sure whatever we do makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, so, so you see somebody fresh-faced, new on the job, trying to uh, move the needle and add value to the Big 12 to be able to keep up to what is essentially now a two-horse race with the Big 10 and the SEC. To give you an idea, Miami has 11,000 students right now enrolled in undergrad. How many? Versus 11,000 versus 30 at Florida State in undergrad or, you know, 50 if we get up to University of Florida type numbers. So it's a gross disparity there. People always think of the Canes as a brand, but they don't realize how small the actual student population is. And that means that that is a smaller alumni base. Now, given sure. the support of the Canes extends far beyond just those of it, because I actually went to law school there. So I don't like to consider myself a Cane. I'm a Gator <laughs> through and through. But anyways, it extends far beyond those of us that actually attended school there. Well, we'll use an asterisk there for you. Yeah. The average school yeah, ranking okay. for each Power Five conference, uh, lower number is better using future membership. The SEC came in at 25.1, Big Ten at 25.8, and then there's a drop-off. ACC 39.6, Pac-12 41.4, and the Big 12 rounded things out at 49.3. All right, coming up, ESPN Radio Two-A-Days continues with the Miami Dolphins. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days, an in-depth preview of every team in the National Football League. Two teams every day as we storm towards training camp. NFL Two-A-Days continues on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. 
It's a fair question. Katie George, Amber Wilson, filling in for Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. ESPN Radio Two-A-Days continues on. We're breaking down the Miami Dolphins SWAT. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Amber, biggest strength you see on this Miami Dolphins roster? Oh, man, the strength is all the weapons outside of the quarterback, right? Everybody the quarterback is giving the ball to, I would say right now, is a strength for this Miami Dolphins team. Obviously, signing Tyreek Hill was a huge get for this Dolphins team. Jalen Waddle, we know the breakout season that he had last season as a rookie. Preston Williams could be poised for a breakout season this season. Re-signing Mike Kosicki at tight end and then bringing in more help in the backfield. That should really, really help Tua, Katie. Signing Mustard, Edwards, uh, Sony Michelle. So the Dolphins really upgraded their offense in terms of weapons. Had they just gone out and gotten former Cowboy standout Cedric Wilson, we would have thought, good for them. They've upgraded the position. They, they need that speed. But then to make the blockbuster trade for all-pro wide receiver Tyree Kill, so much star power, so much speed. Mike McDaniels will have his hands full in terms of drawing things up, but now Tua Tungvaloa has a plethora of options. There's, there's no excuse but to succeed with all of those names around you. So certainly, if you don't pick wide receiving group or just the skill positions around Tua for the strength, uh, you got another thing coming. All right, when we look at the weaknesses, another group that has a lot of speed, uh, I'd say the linebacking core is probably the weakest link in Miami's defense. I think Jerome Baker is, is solid, and he's playing on a heavy contract. But if a Landon Roberts uh, has to start opposite Baker, you know he's more of a guy that just adds depth. If he has to be a focal point in, in this defense, I think that that's a little bit worrisome. You know They are going to have to wait for a new draft pick, Channing Tindale, to get acclimated. I think that he could make waves, but it's going to take some time. So I think this is a group that when you look at the defense right there in the middle – Uh, There's some deficiencies and and possibly the weakest link here for this Miami Dolphins team. My weakness for this Miami Dolphins team might surprise you a little bit because it's still going to be the O-line until they prove me otherwise because (laughs) I am a long-suffering Miami Dolphins (laughs) fan and I understand that they brought in Teron Armstead and that looks like that should be an unbelievable upgrade to that line. Connor Williams, I mean, they focused on this line this offseason, they released Jesse Davis. They made moves. I'm never going to believe it until I see it, Katie George, just because I know they have made moves. They've drafted O-line every draft at the top of every draft for the last 150 years. And it doesn't matter what they do. It never results into a good O-line. So I'll believe it when I see it. They were the worst O-line in the NFL last season. So, yes, they've addressed it. Now they're going to switch schemes, also adjusting to more of a zone scheme. I just need to play it out in front of me and then I'll buy in. All right, opportunities. Who's got an opportunity for this team? Uh, When Kyle Jusak said, absolute best in the game, nobody gets more out of his players than McDaniel. Most creative run scheme out there. Mike McDaniels has all the opportunity in the world to showcase why he's one of the greatest offensive minds in the game. The opportunity generally is just for this organization, I would say, right? When it comes to the fact that this is one of two remaining teams, I believe, in the NFL that hasn't won a playoff game since 2001. I think the Lions being the other one on that list. So this organization generally, I think, has a big opportunity here to actually finally win a playoff game for the first time in 20 plus years because of all the upgrades that they made this offseason. But that's all going to come down to Tua. And Tua, of course, has a big opportunity here to prove that he is the future of the Miami Dolphins because otherwise they've got two first-rounders as they head into that 23 draft, Katie, and believe that they will be using those to get a quarterback. And that brings us to threat, which 
Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion, is the biggest threat to Tua Tungavailoa because if Tua doesn't get it done and get it done quickly and prove that all the upgrades around him were worth it, you could see steady Teddy come in there and get the job done, and we could see Tua Tungavailoa sitting on the bench. Who's your threat? I think my threat would just be all the changes and then generally maybe Mike McDaniel taking over the helm. We saw Brian Flores get fired. They move on to McDaniel so far. I've been incredibly impressed with Mike McDaniel, but you are talking about a first-time head coach that in a year that had, what, eight coaching vacancies on the coaching carousel, there wasn't many going after Mike McDaniel. In fact, there wasn't any other teams going after Mike McDaniel for that head coaching position, even though people respect him wildly across the league and he was supposed to be the offensive genius behind uh, Shanahan's scheme. So we will see how it pans out, but I guess that's just the biggest threat is that it doesn't. All right, that is our SWAT analysis of the Miami Dolphins. We'll actually sit down and talk with an expert on the chances of seeing Tua Tungavailoa on the bench next season. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. We're back on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And if you um, haven't seen Peloton's latest ad, uh, you should go to the internet immediately and you should Google it. Amber, are you a Peloton rider, user, runner, anything? I'm not, actually, no. Uh, That's okay because... Are you? um, I am. I am. That's fine. But I, I think you can relate to this regardless because you work out, you're healthy, you're fit. Yeah, you I have an great. assault bike in my garage, but I, I haven't okay. jumped on the Peloton bandwagon. Fair enough. Do you know who Christopher Maloney is by chance? Yes, from okay. SVU, right? Absolutely. Elliot Stabler by day, Christopher Maloney by night. He made um, some headway uh, or headlines the other day uh, when he said he works out nude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he doesn't wear anything. Quite honestly, and, and everybody on the internet was like, "There's no chance." Well, Peloton took it upon themselves to um, create an ad where it is a minute long, and Christopher Maloney is doing every single one of their exercises: running, biking, squatting, kickboxing, meditating, yoga. Imagine the positioning, and he is completely naked. And yes, there is some blurring, but you know that somebody was in the room filming all of this, directing all of this, producing all of this, and it is a great commercial that is turning a lot of heads rightfully so Christopher Maloney is 61 years old it's unbelievable I mean Has there's an a incredible lot, body there an is a lot body. of skin in this commercial which I mean I am here for the objectification of men fine let's do this let's have more of this Katie George and this is pretty remarkable because I cannot believe that man in that body is 61 years old. Uh, this is a, a beautiful commercial, frankly. I mean, really, uh, there's not another way to say it, I don't think. It's it's something. And and they really sell you on the fact that he's naked. I don't know if he actually is naked when they shoot these sorts of things. I feel like not because you're, there's an entire production crew. But the blurring is very small. <laughs> it is very small, so I don't know. I don't know what would have been done uh, from a production standpoint. The blurring is very small. Uh, the angles are pretty hilarious, and 
honestly, Christopher Maloney feels like a guy that is true to what he says. If he works out in the nude, I feel like he worked out in the nude for uh, the production crew. Or do you think he said that in the v- interview to sell the ad? It's a fair Is it the question. the chicken before the egg or the egg before the chicken? I'd like to think that Christopher Either Maloney one, works out in the nude. Either one. I don't care because it gave us a great commercial where uh, Elliot Stabler is looking fine. Uh, at and he's 61. not taking himself seriously, which is always fun to see a celebrity not take themselves too seriously also. You know, to be in on the joke and embrace the whole thing. You don't always want to meet your heroes. Elliot Stabler, Christopher Maloney feels like one that you actually would. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, we were talking a little Miami Dolphins earlier in the show. Now it's time to go to the phone lines and get an expert to talk about the roster and the hopes and expectations for Mike McDaniel in his first year as head coach with the Dolphins and all of the skilled positions on this roster. Travis Wingfield from MiamiDolphins.com. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Friday afternoon. What are your hopes and expectations based on the upgrades that were made in the offseason to this roster? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. First off, but I think that the expectation is pretty high, and it kind of coincides with the addition of Tyreek Hill. Coincided with the retention of most of the defense that was pretty productive the last couple of years, at least for long stretches of play. So, I think the idea of kind of the hyper on the Dolphins right now is built around the expectation the defense can at least you know keep the the status quo, and then an upgrade upgrade of the offense with hopefully a better offensive line with you know Teron Armstead and Connor Williams, and then obviously Tyreek Hill. And Jalen Waddle kind of giving you something that no team really has in terms of two premier speed receivers that are really complete receivers with Waddle and Hills. So I think that the idea is a little more explosive plays and offense going with a, a pretty good defense. And, you know, hopefully double digit wins this year. Yes, hopefully du- double digit wins this year. Travis Wingfield, MiamiDolphins.com. And Travis, obviously, you know, this is my team. We go way back. And you said, hopefully, the offensive line when you got to the upgrades that they've made. And I was saying last segment when Katie and I were breaking down this team that I'm still going to just have the O line as my weakness, even with Armstead and the acquisitions that they made here, because I'm a long suffering Miami Dolphins fan. And I just know how this goes. Is that silly of me that I want them to prove it to me, Travis? before I'll buy in? Yeah, I think that's the one position where you can really look across the roster. And it's like that's where the, the biggest question marks lie as far as, like, proven resumes go. Because we talk about the defense and the retention. Like, every position group on defense is three, four, five guys deep that you know have played well, not just in the league, but in this system under this, you know, defensive coordinator. And so, you know, the offensive line, we, we don't know exactly what, you know, Austin Jackson, Liam Eichenberg uh, are at this point. We have a pretty good idea of what Toronto Armstead you know, Kyron Williams and Robert Hunter at this point, but I have a 40%. 
Uh, and I think, unfortunately, we lost Travis Wingfield there from the MiamiDolphins.com. Poor connection. You know, we just can't catch a break. When you when you agree, Amber, to do this show with us, you got to stay in one spot, make sure your cell service is good. You can't be connecting to the car like Jeremy Fowler was doing earlier. <laughs> you just got to stop all the multitasking. And People got to live their ball. lives, though, Katie George. We're, we're grateful for anybody uh, joining us. I did a radio hit recently on, like, a Vegas station or something, and my phone, I didn't have good service, and I was sitting in one spot. I wasn't even moving. I was so embarrassed because I know how it feels to be a host in that position like you and I are now. But Travis and I go way back. He does great work there for the Miami Dolphins and has an awesome podcast as it concerns the Miami Dolphins. And I think what he was saying there was really interesting just about the O-line, that that is actually still where the questions remain and Katie it's because when you go from the worst of anything and then you're trying to improve even if you bring in a big star like Armstead it's just hard to buy into it as a fan and if they're not able to protect Tua again and that's been so much of the problem with Tua you can't evaluate Tua because the lack of O-line and it's been so terrible and so abysmal last season and so atrocious he spent so much time on his back that he frankly does get a bit of a pass for that, or he should get a bit of a pass for that. And I don't know what you feel like the narrative has been around Tua, but he hasn't really always gotten that much of a pass. I think we have Travis back. Uh, Travis, have you fixed your phone line? We appreciate you joining us. I know you are in the midst of breaking down where the questions might remain on this team. Yeah, so my, like my uh, golf game today, my reception is not too good out here either, apparently, so I apologize for that. Yeah, yeah, I think your reception's still failing you uh, out there. And we're headed towards training camp, so I'm sure Travis is incredibly busy, Katie. <laughs> but what is your take on the situation with Tua? Because obviously I'm incredibly invested in the Miami Dolphins and have been for many, many years. So you're on the outside looking in. What is your take on the situation this season with Tua Tonkavaloa? Well, I think like many, you're hopeful that uh, he can finally hit his stride. And it's not just about Tua taking care of Tua as you mentioned with the offensive line and the struggles up front, we haven't really gotten to see him reach his potential or or even close to that just because of all the external factors that have been going on with the team. And so I'm curious, even if to a degree, like give me a, give me a a letter grading for the offensive line last year. An F minus. Okay. Okay. An F minus. Fair enough. The year before a D. Okay. So if say we get up to a, a C plus, a B minus. Mm-hmm. I think I think that is in the realm of possibility for for this offensive line going into the season. If you get up to average and you're protecting him and you're able to at least have an effective run game to a degree, what's the leash? for Tua Tunga-Vailoa because you have all of these skilled positions. You have incredible weapons. How they manage that uh, and balance things on the outside will be something that Mike McDaniel will have to figure out, and he certainly got the mental capacity to figure it out. Uh, So I'm excited there. But I'm just wondering if you do see improvements from the offensive line and Tua doesn't perform, how soon do you see them make a switch? Because I I I would say I think he's got – four, five weeks in terms of showcasing what he can do if the offensive line is performing better. I don't, we, 
Yeah, I don't I don't agree with you because I think Tua gets the season. I think even if it's an epic failure, you're not going to toggle Tua back and forth, which has happened to him previously in his career. I think you got to ride it out with Tua because the Dolphins have to evaluate what they have going into that 2023 draft because they very specifically, even with all of these traits, including the Tyreek trait, they very specifically held on to their draft capital at the top of 2023 where they had two first rounders. They did not give those up even with all the moves that they've made. And it seems pretty obvious to me that they didn't give those up so that they could address the quarterback position because by then you have multiple years in the league for Tua and you should be able to fully evaluate him after the full three years of him in the league. And so I don't think you toggle back and forth because that would confuse the issue, Katie. I think you ride with it no matter what it looks like and it should look much better. And you just mentioned Mike McDaniel, they brought in the coach. I mean, the success out in San Francisco was with Jimmy Garoppolo. It wasn't with Tom Brady. So we've seen Mike McDaniel be able to hide quarterback mistakes. He doesn't necessarily need Tua to be the best quarterback in the NFL. He just needs Tua to be effective enough in his system to win games. And this is all going to come down to wins and losses. Again, he doesn't have to prove he's elite, but he does have to prove he's a winner. Yeah, which he can do that based on the skill set that he's got around him. Uh, But you just said it. It comes down to wins and losses. If he's not winning, I do think that they will make a change because they have Teddy Bridgewater who has proven that he can come in off the bench and maintain and stabilize situations. So they got to get it right because it's going to be a cycle. You can't move on from coaches. You can't move on from players like we've seen in Miami as much as possible. So I'm hopeful for Tua. He's a great kid, uh, an incredible athlete, and has so much potential and upside. But you're oftentimes – a product of your circumstance and having a good team around you is so, so important. We've got more on Canty and Carlin coming up on ESPN radio and the ESPN app. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 